der einzige Markt für das, was jetzt und in der Zukunft wertvoll ist. Die neuesten Sneakers, Kleidung, Elektronik, Sammlerstücke und vieles mehr. Alles hundertprozentig geprüft und authentisch. Mit StockX hast du Zugang zu Millionen von Produkten, die ausverkauft oder schwer zu finden sind. Und alle für den Preis, den sie wirklich wert sind. Denn wir alle sollten das kriegen, was wir gerne haben möchten. StockX – Zugang zu aktuellen Trends. Finde, was du brauchst auf StockX.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, a special one-off edition uh, in honour of the arrival of our new German manager, Thomas Tuchel. Uh, Tommy T, as I've decided to call him, the more polite version, because I'm all polite now, because I've, I've seen his press conference and I like what I see. But uh, clearly, you know, much as we, we like to think we know a little bit about football, it's always better to talk to somebody who really knows his onions. And uh, I've got a uh, a guy on uh, with me today who absolutely knows a lot more about Tommy Tuchel than I do, and he's Ben McFadden. And Ben is the uh, he he runs the Borussia Dortmund uh, fan club London. Uh, he also does the Borussia Dortmund fan club London podcast, and he's a journalist and a thoroughly nice chap. Welcome, Ben. Thank you so much. Great to talk to you. Thanks for inviting me on, Chig. Well. I, I, we were talking a bit before we kind of pressed the old record button, as, as inevitably we always do. Um, and you were telling me a fascinating story that was not about Borussia Dortmund or Tommy Tuchel. And, and I'm intrigued by it. So I'd love to hear it again for the benefit of the listeners. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess I guess we all have some some skeletons in our closet. And um, mine, uh, mine, I suppose, my Chelsea story is um, that my I grew up, um, very close to my grandma, who was called Jean, and her sister was Lorna. They were very well-to-do ladies um, that lived in in uh, my 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 great aunt. She lived in Bolton Gardens in Chelsea, nice part of Chelsea. So uh, she married right, and uh, she had five boys. And growing up, they all went down to Stamford Bridge at the weekend because she bought them all season tickets. So there they were, and. Um, yeah, it was really good because basically what you talk to, to your great auntie in her 70s and 80s, you know, um, in my case, it was football. And um, because I was such a passionate football player and and and, uh, and fan, it, uh, it it meant I had a lifelong relation, a good, friendly, super family relationship with Auntie Lorna. So I really always enjoyed the visits to Auntie Lorna, which other people would have found pretty boring, frankly, talking to an 80 year old. Brilliant stuff. Now, loved it. She loved Gianfranco Zola was her was her favorite player. Well, I concur with that. He's absolutely uh, one of my favorite players. One of my my prized possessions is a is a is a signed Gianfranco Zola shirt. So, uh, definitely one of our all time greats. Now, I think the first obvious question is is what is a as a guy you know from London? How on earth do you end up supporting Borussia Dortmund? Oh, that's a great story. Well. Basically, um, my dad uh, was American and he went back to America when I was a little kid. And my mom was on holiday in Goa. And then she came back and she said, ta-da, here's your new dad. And he's from Dortmund, Germany. <laughs> <Brilliant>. <laughs> 
so um, there I was, about 11 years old, and um, <clears throat> and uh, suddenly we were moving to Dortmund, in Germany, and I thought the place was horrible, I thought the language was horrible, but then I discovered the Zutribuna and Borussia Dortmund, and I was a keen football player, I'd played football from the age of about six or seven onwards, uh, as a left back um, in just local teams, basically, and um uh, when I discovered the stadium uh, in Dortmund, I just completely fell in love and I realised that um, it was a match made in heaven. And uh, it's, it's been a lifelong passion, a lifelong love for this football team, Borussia, for the culture, for the club, the way that things are done there. Um, yeah, so so I've been to probably around about 300, three to 400 games of Dortmund over the years. Um, I won't, well, I suppose I could reveal it. I, was, I started going back in the 80s um and um yeah i actually had the honor of organizing the um the uh testimonial match for dortmund's top uh, greatest ever striker in 2019 uh, manfred borgsmuller who scored 135 uh, goals in four seasons so he was a pretty insanely good striker so yeah i've been very involved with the club ever since running the fan club here in london since uh, last almost eight years now and just organizing events and things like that yeah how many how many members have you got ben i suspect everyone's pretty affected by the current situation because you know when the english fans can't go out to the zoo tribuna to westfalen stadion which is the traditional name for the signali duna park in dortmund um they tend to um they tend to be less enthusiastic so this season i think has been a pretty poor season where we're only up to about 50 members traditionally we have somewhere between two and 250 members and that's been constant for the last five years so we also have a football team we play regular matches against um other clubs fan clubs and so on we've played against um the Bayern fan club the uh, liverpool fan club we beat the liverpool clan fan club 5-0 by the way that that was the weekend <laughs> before the uh the Europa League match, uh, that famous uh, yeah. 2016 game when Dortmund knocked us out, uh, Liverpool knocked us out in the last second. Interesting stuff. Well, well, well done for that. I, I mean, the, I don't do anything like run a fan club, but I can imagine it's a lot of hard work and takes a lot of dedication and passion. So well done to you for that. Now, I, 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 we all giggled when when you were saying you, you kind of you had a, a Borussia Dortmund supporting father transported into you, as it were. Uh, and in a way, there's a parallel with Chelsea. We we have a, a, a new manager, a new daddy that's trans, been transported into us. And of course, it's Tom. It's Thomas Tuchel. It's Tuchel, how you pronounce it, isn't it? Tuchel. Tuchel. I'll see, there we go, because I've been doing it all sorts of different ways. Tom, Tommy Tuchel. Okay. Now, yeah, I did a degree in German by pure chance at UCL. So uh, that was that was amazing because I managed to get Rafa Honigstein on our podcast. Oh, well done. Just because he was a UCL graduate as well. So so there's a little tip for you. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I didn't go to UCL, but I did go to London University. So ironically, I spent most of my time in the weird place that is the Senate House Library, which no doubt you will probably remember. Which was actually literally in the film 1984. It was. That was it the was building. the headquarters of the secret police. Room 101 was there. I think I actually studied in it, funnily enough, but there you go. Um, <laughs> yeah. And as you know what I do for a living, you can probably understand the symbolism yeah, I can understand in that. the fascination with it, yeah. And you mentioned London University before, uh, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, Tommy Tuchel is now Chelsea's manager. I mean, obviously we, you know, all Chelsea fans have been all over 
reading everything about him, what he's like, what what he's likely to be. And in a sense, this is kind of nice to get a more kind of first-hand view. But I, I suppose, you know, as a, he was Borussia Dortmund's manager, wasn't he? But, you know, what's he like as a manager? What's his character, personality and his kind of man-management skills like in terms of being a football manager? Yeah. OK, so basically there's two kind of positions that I have to take. When one is the position as the like an official fan club president which is kind of the point of view of the fans of the Zutribune, you know, the, the ultras and Dortmund and so on, let's say, you know, what be, what basically people in the fan scene in Dortmund officially say about him and what the club basically, the conclusion the club came to. And then I have to take my own personal point of view. So which one would you like me to start with? Well, start with the first and finish with the second. Okay. So the official kind of line within the fan scene, in my opinion, is that um, Tuchel um, was a a very sound manager that had enormous potential that basically should have lasted more than one season at Dortmund. But on a personal note, he fell out with pretty much everyone at Dortmund. let 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 me revise that. He fell out with some very key people at Dortmund, very big decision makers. Uh, including the what you would call general manager or CEO, and also the head scout as well, who people will know, um, Sven Missentat, who went on to Arsenal and is now at VfB Stuttgart. So basically, by falling out with Missentat and actually banning him from the um, from the uh, from training, um, he essentially kind of cut Dortmund off from their main kind of talent bringer. And as we know, um, Dortmund has always been a team that thrives on talent, thrives on new, thrives on the academy, and has brought out some of the best talents in European football, in my opinion, at that level for the last kind of like seven or eight years. Um, So essentially, the key problem was basically um, he he had some difficulties with the key decision makers and um, I could go into those in a bit more detail, but basically um, it was regarded that he didn't fit into the Ruhrgebiet or the, the Ruhr Valley steel and coal kind of mining um, industrial area, which Dortmund comes from, which is a very much like Sheffield um, is a very working class kind of city. You have to be very down to earth and straight to the point. And they don't basically like anyone who's too fancy or, has too much of a high opinion of themselves. And I wouldn't say that Tuchel has that, but I would say that he basically, um, you know, he knows what he's worth. Um, and I think he basically didn't hold back. And um, ultimately he lost the battle with Hans-Joachim Watzke, the general manager who's been there since 2005 and um, who is um, who is credited with saving the club when they were 130 million down and bankrupt in 2005. So he's really not the guy to... Um, He's really not the guy to fall out with. Um, and I'm I'm translating Vatska's biography at the moment into English. So um, I've, I've read a bit about Vatska and he's certainly a strong personality. I mean, you know, many of us, I mean, we, we, we know that he's a bit of a combustible character and he's fallen out with a lot of people. I mean, you know, he certainly did at PSG and... Uh, um uh, Leonardo and and I and I did know about about his fallings out at Borussia Dortmund but I think I think actually you know I mean clearly a lot of us were really depressed that Frank Lampard got the boot so that that makes it very difficult for anybody to really come in and yet the the reading the room after Wednesday and certainly after his press conference on Thursday a lot of people I know me included thought oh you know He's a he's a really smart, intelligent guy. He's a, there's something quite likable about him. I like him. He was saying all the right things, and it yeah, okay, 
That's interesting. So, you know, what, what's, what's his personality like? I mean, you've actually met him, haven't you, I think? Yeah, that's right. Um, I mean, I would say, um, although, frankly speaking, only on one, in, one occasion, Borussia Dortmund, um, legend, in a legendary way, they have a Christmas party for the fan club presidents every year. And basically all the players and the coaches are there. Um, and so Arno Michels, who he's brought over to Chelsea, his, co- his co-trainer, who's a very affable guy, and also um, Thomas Tuchel were there. And all the players, Obama Yang, Socrates, who is another player that's well known in the Premier League from Arsenal, um, Gundogan, again, all, all, all the lads, all the players basically go there. They pull the pints, um, you get free food and drinks all evening, and they really look after the fan club president. So it's, uh, it's an incredibly unique football club, Dortmund, where you do get access to basically meet people like that. And um, yeah, I, I would say I would say one other thing, which I think is really crucial here, which is that apparently the story under the story was that in fact Tuchel was irate that Dortmund had to play the Champions League game against Monaco only 24 hours after the bomb attack on the bus, yeah, yeah. and apparently that was what actually triggered off the argument with Hans Joachim Batzka. So I, I, I'm just going to step in and you know, having met the fella um, and also having I don't know for what it's worth being a Facebook friend of him and Cici his wife for a couple of years and kind of like you know seeing kind of the way they are as people very kind of family orientated and very kind of like you know decent kind of people I just get the impression that perhaps he gets a bit of a bad rap mm. but he's he's essentially an incredibly um, analytical guy a tactician He's an absolute winner, in my opinion. Everywhere where he's been, he's been an absolute winner. Um, you know, he's won trophies. And, um, you know, I was at the 2017 Cup final and um, Dortmund beat Frankfurt. Um, he's very clever signing Usman Dembele, who only came in for 10 million, went off for 130 to Barcelona, Dortmund's record all-time sale. You know, I mean, the the, the boss, uh, Tuchel, he was, he was smart. He was, he was tactical. Um, a tactical genius, I would almost say. I think he's probably one of the most talented German coaches, um, but he's more analytical and um, intellectual than Kloppo, I would say. Mm. And his personality can be a little bit brittle at times. And I think he's very straight to the point, which is a very German thing of just being straight to the point. But I mean, you just have to look how talented the guy is, how many trophies he won. He literally won everything with PSG and winning the cup with Dortmund was no mean feat. After the previous season under Kloppo, they were 18th, bottom of the league at Christmas. So he reinvigorated Dortmund. They sold top players at the time. They brought in some very um, low-cost, very talented players, which I could name. And um, and basically, he turned them around and, and, and he did a, an incredible job. So, I mean, tactically, he'll certainly go down as one of Dortmund's all-time best coaches. Mm, interesting stuff. Um I mean, you kind of alluded to it a little bit, and you're right. You know, Dortmund's in a very, you know, industrial. It's in the industrial heartland of Germany, so one would imagine a fairly working class area. Um, I mean, you you represent a fans group, um, so I would imagine you would see the relationship that fans have with a manager, or, or more to the point, a manager has with the fans as very important. And we we have an expression here. One of the things that we loved having uh, about having Frank Lampard there so much is that we genuinely felt we had a manager who gets us, you know, with whom there would be a strong emotional bond with because he understands what we give up for the club in a sense. So, yeah. you know, what was Tuchel's relationship like with the Dortmund fans? Because, I mean, they're quite legendary, the Dortmund fans, the whole yellow wall and all of that, very passionate bunch of supporters, aren't they? 
Yeah, amazingly, Borussia Dortmund, as probably some people know, has the second uh, highest uh, sport sporting audience attendance, crowd attendance of any team in the world after the Dallas Cowboys, with an average gate of 80,000, and which is higher than Barcelona, Real Madrid and any English club as well. I won't even mention the Manchester team, which uh, kind of, I think, we probably have a common loathing for. So um, <laughs> the, red, the red side of Manchester. <laughs> oh, yes. So, um, yeah, Dortmund has an incredibly passionate scene. The tickets are very cheap. I mean, your average ticket's about £20 at Dortmund, which is about a third of what it is in most. I mean, in fact, that's what I pay at Pompey. You mentioned you're from Hampshire. I go mm. to Fratton Park quite regularly. Um, and that's what I pay at Pompey, £15, £20 to get in. And um, that's what basically what you pay at Dortmund. The cheapest tickets are around £15. The most expensive are about £40. And that's, you know, that those are some of the reasons why the passionate crowd and, 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 and the cheap prices and so on, but also the flair and the attacking football and so on. Um, Dortmund is a very close-knit family. The biggest fan club of Dortmund is called the Unity, which has got about 300 members. And they're the kind of the ultras that you see in the middle of the yellow wall, kind of like singing, like, you know, just kind of chanting and singing throughout the whole game, whether Dortmund are winning or losing. Um, but the city really thrives on Dortmund as a, as a as a club. And it's on match days, the whole city's black and yellow, all the pubs, all the shops, even the local bakers will put a little black and yellow cake out in the window. And, you know, um, so you've got to be really dyed in the wool Borussia if you're living in Dortmund. Um, and I, I think that I think everyone recognizes Tuchel as being a tactical genius who did a lot in one year, but he didn't really, personality-wise, he didn't really fit in. And for me, as I, I, I did a similar show with Liverpool and um, about Kloppo, and I just said that Kloppo was the daddy. You know, he was the one who people basically could relate to. Kloppo, uh, Kloppo is is like legend in Dortmund but Tuchel will never be legend he will always just be regarded as the guy who won the 2017 cup um but for me in many ways 2016-17 lays down the roots for the success that they've had ever since um but you know Dortmund have had four managers in the last four years so it's uh it's hard it's a hard act to replace uh Jurgen Klopp frankly speaking I mean that's a really good uh, a good analogy, isn't it? Because you know Klopper, whether you l- like him or not, um, I mean in a sense, I mean Liverpool's a weird club to manage, I would imagine, because they like they like to think they have the supporters, they like to think they have the ownership on passion and 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 connection with their club, um, you know, which is rubbish as we all know. We all, we all have that. It doesn't matter what club you support. But Klopp had the sense to understand that, I think. And I kind of wonder whether he he just kind of realised he had to buy into that idea, or whether actually he's just naturally that kind of guy. He's a he's a charismatic guy, quite an emotional guy. So having an attachment with the supporters and a bond with them would have been something that came to him naturally anyway. And it, and it sounds like what you're saying about Tuchel is that he's just not that kind of guy. He's a bit more an introvert and and and, and very focused professionally on what he does and. You know, he, he'll either have the fans on side or, or he won't, but he won't give a damn either way. No, I'm not. I wouldn't go down that route of saying he doesn't care. I think he's come into Chelsea and he said um, he's going to focus on building relationships and so on. And uh, um, I just think that he is very much an introvert as a character and someone who's um, highly, highly intelligent and highly tactical. Um, and I mean, the strategies that he's implemented in terms of the play 
have been incredibly intelligent throughout the throughout the games, uh, throughout the um, throughout his career. He he was very successful at uh, Mainz, where he started. Um, he he wasn't a great football player himself. He played for Stuttgarter Kickers and SSV Ulm, both in the southwest of Germany, as a defender. Um, unlike Kloppo, he wasn't a brilliant uh, football player himself, um, but he basically learned the game, you know, from the roots up, and um, and he knows what he's talking about. You know, he's a winner, is what I would say. Basically, he's somebody who will not um, will not hold back in terms of making sure that that team basically reach their their zenith. And uh, so, yeah, you brought someone in there who's got enormous potential, I think. And uh, I think with Abramovich in the background, I mean, it's a very, very good meeting of minds. And in my opinion, I have to throw in, I think Haaland would be the key signing for Chelsea because you really need someone up front that can basically give you 20, 25 goals a season. So um, it would be a massive loss to Dortmund. But, um, you know, I think you're in a, you're one of the only clubs right now in a position with Barca on the ropes and, you know, all that. Uh, I think you're one of the only clubs that could probably bring Haaland in. And um, yeah, he, he's inherited a good situation. There. He's got a few German players. He's got players he knows. It's, it's a good situation. And I, I'm not going to knock him, frankly. But the position in Dortmund is, amongst the fans and so on, is that he basically didn't necessarily make that many friends. Mm, interesting. Do you think he has... I mean, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting point, isn't it? Because, I, mean, I, I, I mean, you know, what we're saying about Klopp is that he has a lot of empathy, I think. Um, and I mean, if I can com- com- one, one of the, I mean, one of the the reasons I think deep down, I mean, it's only a personal view, but there there was a lot of toxicity when we had Maurizio Sarri uh, as the manager. And okay, there are many many reasons for that, but one of the reasons I suspected, I, I actually I actually think that Sarri was almost, and I'm, this is not this is not in any way a professional diagnosis, but he, he came across to me as somebody who was almost on the spectrum. You know, he he just didn't really care, you know. And if you watched him in interviews, there the, there was a real feeling that he had a complete disconnect with people on an emotional level. And I wonder if a lot of our supporters kind of really had a sense for that. And that's what we want. We want we want a manager. Okay, yeah, we want a manager who wins and and brings you attack to football and, and wins trophies and stuff. But we want somebody who we can connect with. So. I'm intrigued by Tuchel because, in a sense, what you're saying is that the way he sets up his football teams, his analytic side, his intellectual side, would, would indicate that he might be a bit more like Sarri. But I have to say, what I saw in that press conference was an empath- empathic, warm man, actually. And that's perhaps why I was so encouraged by what I saw. Yeah, and no, I think so. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, Kloppo is a class act in terms of being, you know, uh, very much... Uh, he, he got Mainz out of the second tier into the first Bundesliga... Um, and uh, he basically got them up to the to Europa League, which Tuchel basically inherited that situation and built on it. And then again, Kloppo left uh, left Dortmund, and and Tuchel inherited that and built on that as well. And um, yeah, I mean, he's a very complex analytical individual, I'd say. But um, I think he comes across a lot better. I mean, you, you see, when he was doing the press PSG, um, we played a few. Um, friendly games against the PSG fan club here in London and I know the lads quite well and um, also Dortmund played them in the Champions League as is, as is known and had a, a famous victory um, against uh, against them last year um, so um, you know you were able to see the contrast between Tuchel as a French coach let's say and as a German coach and as a French coach he came across in a lot more kind of like friendly and kind of um, personable but whereas when when he was in Germany he was speaking German um, you could see that he's actually more of a somewhat more analytical and direct and straight to the point and even slightly brittle 
as you say, in terms of personality. But I don't think the focus should be on his personality so much as what his potential is as the coach oh, at Chelsea. Yeah, I, that's a good point, Ben. I'd like to get into that. with a stack yeah. full of titles to you. I mean, he won absolutely everything with PSG. And as I said, I mean, I certainly will never forget the 2017 Cup Final. DFB Pokal, it was absolutely amazing with, you know, I mean, maybe maybe I'm a bit churlish here because I mean, you know, PSG is a very powerful team in in in, in effectively a one a one team league. So, but I have to say, if I'm impressed by anything that he did at PSG, it was to get them to the Champions League final, and the reason for that is that they had clearly had a block, a mental block about achieving anywhere near that. You know, they're perennial losers in quarterfinals and semi-finals. So the fact that he got them to that final, um, you know, and actually didn't do badly uh, against a very, I mean, Chelsea supporters know only too well how good Bayern Munich were last season. So I think I think you can give him a lot of, of credit for that. But I mean, how, how does he like to set up tactically? What's his style of play? Yeah, you, you, you're pulling me on to... Um... <laughs> okay, okay, okay. All right. Well, I mean, basically, um, at Dortmund, his um, his his uh, he, he did some very clever signings. Basically, brought in um, his first season at Dortmund. They sold players which will be known in the Bundes in, in to any major fans. Basically, people like Mkhitaryan, uh, Mats Hummels, uh, Gundogan, and he brought in uh, Mario Götze from Bayern Munich, which was a very controversial pl- uh, player to bring in. Mark Bartra from Barcelona, who was a fitted in straight away at centre-back and also the famous or infamous, should I say, Andre Schürrle, which I think, <laughs> uh, in, which I think uh, in, in Chelsea has a slightly different reputation as he does at Fulham FC. Uh, would, would you agree with that? Well, I mean, w- that's a good question, actually, Bern. I mean, personally, I loved, I, I loved uh, 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 Andre Schürrle. He, you know, scored a brilliant hat-trick against Fulham, which earned him the sobriquet of Johnny Thunderpants because he, he with his big blonde quiff he kind of looked rather like Johnny Thunderpants I like um, that and and he was a good player we thought I mean we he was a bit of a mystery for us as to what happened with him because clearly I thought he was a good player clearly had a lot of potential and then it just all kind of dissipated and then then the, the last thing I heard about him sounded quite sad actually the way he's retired from football at a really young age and it sounds to me that he's got a few issues that he needs to sort out Oh, <laughs> this is the psychoanalyst speaking. I couldn't help um, it, Ben. I couldn't help it. Yeah. Andre, um, basically, they, Tuchel was really never forgiven for bringing in a 30 million signing in Andre Schuller, who basically, um, you know, just didn't work at Dortmund. He worked at Wolfsburg. And they won the cup. And he obviously was the guy who gave the assist to Mario Götze in the 2014 uh, cup final, uh, World Cup final FIFA World Cup final, but he basically didn't work at Dortmund, and um, he again had a very strange kind of relationship, or strained even relationship with the Dortmund fans. Um, so yeah, he, he after uh, Fulham, I think he went on to Spartak Moscow, um, if I'm not no Dortmund, and then Spartak Moscow, and uh, um, yeah, he then sort of limped out this year, this season, with with quite a few other players so to give you know. Quite a few players have retired this year at an unnatural age, um, I've noticed. Um, you know, um, Yeah, 29 was an age where you would have expected Schuller to keep going, but I'm not really going to say very much about him apart from the fact he declined to come on our podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So sod him. Um, I mean, 
I mean, the, um, it's early days. I know we, we, uh, you know, and and I think everybody was prepared to give Tuchel a, a pass on Wednesday. Pass being the operative word, perhaps, because uh, even though he had no time on the training ground, there was a clear style of play. Uh, he had his three four two one system, and I mean, I do know that he likes to uh, adapt uh, his size to to the opposition. You know, he'll work the opposition out thoroughly and try and expose their weaknesses. So he's not he's not kind of wedded to one tactical setup, which is great. Uh, but there was a huge, there was a I huge amount a huge amount of possession um, against Wolves, and and that put the fear into a little, uh, well, to some supporters because it, it was like, oh my god, it's going to be like Sarri ball again, all p- pointless possession with no no end product. It's not. Uh, I, he's there's more to Tuchel than that, isn't there? Yeah, my opinion is he's a master tactician. Basically, he will suit the, the team to uh, to whoever they're playing. Um, the Germans are well known for their video analysis and for their um, detailed um, their detailed analysis of the opponents. And 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 um, and uh, you know when 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 Tuchel was at Dortmund, they were playing basically um, they were playing very fast paced football, um, basically focusing on exploiting the weaknesses and overwhelming opponents. Essentially, you know, mixing it up a lot in terms of the different uh, rotating the different kinds of formations. Uh, a lot of gig and pressing as as Kloppo or Dortmund have even become you know. Uh, when under 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 Kloppo, uh, Dortmund were famous for, but then also under and which 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 you call counter pressing that kind of basically putting the opponent under a lot of pressure and kind of making use of all the spaces. So basically, I expect um, him to make full use of the talent. Uh, he's he's at, you know Chelsea has an extraordinary squad uh, and uh, he's going to make full use of it. And then of course remember that you've got with Kai Havertz. Uh, and Werner, Timo Werner, you've got literally the two most cherished talents in the German national team right now. And then you've got Pulley, um, Christian Pulisic, who's an abs- who's 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 a big big darling of the uh, of the Dortmund crowd. Um, and so you've got basically three players which Tuchel will know, either having you know kind of had them on on team or had them basically um, you know on the opponent's team and. And he will be um, building a little German base there, basically. So, um, well, yeah. and Rudiger, of course, of course, Antonio Rudiger. Yeah, both Pulisic and Antonio Rudiger are products of the Dortmund Academy. Um, surprisingly, although Antonio Rudiger is now a valued part of the German national team, he didn't actually succeed at Dortmund. He only made it to the under twenty threes, having spent a few years there. And um, yeah, to be frank with you, we could actually do with a guy like Rudiger in our defence right now. I mean, we're leaking um, leaking goals all over the place. But um, I think just at the moment, um, Dortmund would love to have, uh, you know, to be frank with you, in the last few weeks, there was even, you know, after he got ta- uh, sacked, there was actually some rumours in Dortmund about, you know, wouldn't it be great to have, uh, or some gossip about, wouldn't it be great to have Tuchel back again? But I mean, the general consensus was basically no. <laughs> he's burnt his bridges. Is, no, <laughs> he's burnt his bridges, right? Um, I, I don't want to focus on the negative. I mean, he's one of the most gifted, talented mm. uh, German coaches, and as a Bundesliga writer, I definitely am pro German coaches and believe that. Mm. Um, you know, I think we, in England we've seen that German coaches have done very well. I mean, from um, you, you know, um, perhaps the only exception to that was was Siebert, was Siebert at um, at uh, Huddersfield, but otherwise, you know, Wagner and Kloppo and so on, they've done very well. Farker. Daniel Farker at Norwich yeah. City, yeah. So yeah. I think I think you're lucky to have one of the most uh, gifted coaches, one of the most successful coaches in Europe right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just wonder whether they'll give him enough time to roll out his game because 
you know, um, despite you saying he made an instant impact, um, and I saw the press conference after the Wolves game, I think he's going to take a bit of time to build his system. But what I kind of value about him is not only that he can switch and change things around uh, in a very flexible way, but also the fact that he's very good at developing young players. Um, you know, some of the young players that he, he built up at Dortmund in that season have gone on to be incredibly successful, like Rafa Guerrero, um, our left back, who um, for me is, is my absolute favourite player. So, mm. you know, he came in for uh, just uh, uh, 12 million at the time. And, and now he's on he's on most clubs uh, kind of focus for, 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 for a good defender. He's, he's a really, really good player. So, yeah, it was interesting. I think you've got a really good coach there. Yeah. It's an interesting thing what you say about the youth players because, again, you're right. I mean, he he does have a track record for, for, for bringing the kids through. Um, it's been a perennial bugbear for most Chelsea supporters that we've kind of singularly really failed to do that until actually we were forced to do it by the transfer ban and having Frank and Jody there who were a bit more tuned into that. And and it's been brilliant seeing the likes of Mason Mount, Reese James, Callum Hudson Odoi, and Tam, and Tammy Abraham come through. And and you know, there is nothing better for a supporter to see kids that have grown up with the club make it. You know, we have such a. a I mean, I, I love Havertz and Werner and Pulisic and the rest of them, but I will never love them in quite the same way that I will love Mason Mount and Tammy Abraham, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, I, can, a, I can empathise with that. I yeah. think Callum Hudson Odoi, he's been on Bayern's. Um, radar for a long time and uh yeah i mean you can see that the way that um you know somebody like um john terry or frank lampard really um connected with the club and uh and uh and we have the same thing at dortmund young youngsters like marco royce uh and nuri shahin that grew up in the club from the age of about 12 onwards or, or christian pulisic who came in as a 14 year old or kevin Grosskreutz, who was literally was a fan on the Sud tribuna he's just retired last week by the way mm. So, I mean, do you think, you know, how's Tuchel going to handle that? You know, we've got some good youngsters in. We've got plenty more waiting to come in. Do you you see him making use of that? Or or will he do what practically every manager at Chelsea has had to do? Because, as you alluded to, you know, with the pressure that you get from Roman Abramovich to win things, you just have to go for the easy short-term decision, which is to to put, you know, what you think are the, the best people right now rather than who, you know, develop the best people in maybe five years' time. Yeah, I mean, I think with all German coaches, you need to give them a bit of a time to um, to kind of reinvent the club in a way. If you look at what, um, if you don't mind me talking about um, Kloppo for a moment. No, I don't. I mean, you know, I can't stand Liverpool, but I can appreciate he's a good coach. Yeah, I mean, I think essentially... Um, Kloppo would have been attracted to Liverpool um, for kind of the passion and um, and the history of the club. And, um, you know, he basically came in, he um, revolutionised the club. So in, at, at Liverpool FC, most of the backroom staff are either Dutch, German or Austrian, um, including the nutritionists, many of the physios and so on. Um, he basically brought in a, a top chef from Germany who to prepare food and dietitian and so on. He, um, as is known, he basically moved the academy um, chain. Uh, the, I can't remember what it's called at Liverpool. Is it um, Mill? No, sorry. I'm just going to leave that one. But basically, he uh, he moved the academy to, 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 to for that for the young players to be training near to the professional team. Um, and Melwood. Sorry, Melwood. Melwood, yeah. And, uh, and he basically was given license to do so much, to change so much at Liverpool FC um, and, and has basically rebuilt the 
team with an almost unlimited checkbook, which you would certainly not have had at Dortmund, I can tell you that. So I would expect that you need to give um, Tuchel a bit of time. I mean, obviously he's had a couple of years at um, PSG and PSG were, you know, always going to, as you say, I mean, it's a one club league. I mean, although arguably, you know, um, there are a couple of other teams that do make an impact in France. Um, but um, OM, for example, Marseille have had a, a, a bad couple of seasons. But, um, you know, Monaco had quite a good season. Uh, what was it last year or the year before? And they've got Bayern's old coach uh, there now. So, um yeah, why is that? Why is his name escaped me right now? Um, Niko Kovac. Yeah, and they're doing well again, having had a bad season um, last season. They're now back up in the top five. So um, apparently, our old coach Lucien Favre is about to be appointed at Olympic Marseille. So uh, we'll Repl- see replacing our old coach AVB. Right. <laughs> yeah, Andre Villaboas. Yeah, but um, essentially, what I'm trying to say is that. Um, is that you need to give Tuchel a little bit of time. My 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 opinion of, of Chelsea is that, um, well, it's not just my opinion, actually. You see, when German fans or German writers look at the, the Premier League, we see this football where it's essentially completely unbalanced. On the one side, the, t- the fans are paying ginormous amounts to get into a match. Like I heard that um, in that period in between the lockdown and and when there were a couple of games which you could go to, you were paying £70 to be behind the goal at a Chelsea game. I don't know if that's accurate or not. Um, No, not really. I mean, you know, the behind the goal, you're going to be paying more like about 45, 45, 50 quid. Okay. Well, essentially, the situation is that a season ticket, let's say at Arsenal, I know that for a fact, is is about £2,000. And in Dortmund, it's about £500. So essentially, the way the German fans look at it is they say, we're quite at ease being, you know, the second best league in Germany, if it's affordable and accessible. And then when we look at the Premier League, you know, like the German fans, they're very excited by what is the NBA of, of world football, the Premier League. You know, it's the most exciting kind of league of, of football in the world, in a way. But in a way, it's a one that's being paid for by the fans and where the fans kind of take a second-rate position. So we look at a club like Chelsea, which, as I know, is has got a massive amount of numbers of player on loan. They've got tons of players on their books and they get through players quite quickly. Um, and you're kind of looking at, looking at that as a Dortmund fan and you're kind of saying, well, we would be happy with even a quarter or a tenth of the players that Chelsea's got through in the last five or six years. And most of them would have ended up staying on. And, you know, you mentioned a couple of guys there. I'm also an Aston Villa fan for my sins. Tammy Abraham's at Aston Villa was absolutely superb. I mean, Villa would have loved to have him. And I feel in some ways, you know, um, is he really going to get the same chance uh, to play week in, week out that he's getting at, um, that he was getting at uh, Villa Park, you know? Um, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I think, I think you've got a guy there who's going to stick with you and who's going to do a really good job, but you need to give him essentially two or three seasons. Um, and I just wonder whether he's going to get it because I mean, look who's been through the doors at uh, Stamford bridge over the years. I mean, it's, it's a pretty fast turnaround. And, And therein Ben lies the perennial problem at Chelsea, um, you know, and and most pe- most football people will 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 say the same that you do need two or three seasons to really lay down how you're going to do it to to implement your culture and your style and develop things. Um, and I think most football supporters really understand that. And and, and you know, it, sometimes it's all about the journey as well as the destination. And I don't. I think maybe maybe 
modern football is is breeding far too much short termism. And you're right. You know, the average the average tenure of a Chelsea manager is about 18 months. No coincidence that Tuchel's contract is 18 months. And the reality is, is that you have to win stuff and you have to win stuff now if you want to stick around as a Chelsea manager. And even if you do, there's no guarantee that you'll stick around. So I do wonder the same, Ben, whether whether he, he will get the time. One thing I said on the show last night, actually, which which I, I picked up, you know, as you as you as you know, there's been a whole plethora of writing about Tuchel's arrival this week. One thing I didn't know was that Chelsea had in fact approached him to be the manager before they hired Maurizio Sarri. And there's a school of thought which I'm quite happy to subscribe to, which is that very few elite managers, and I think he is an elite manager, would have come to Chelsea the year that that they had the transfer ban because one of the joys of managing Chelsea is that you get a massive checkbook to spend on your favourite players that you've always wanted. Let let me contrast that briefly. Dortmund's all-time record signing is Andre Schürrle, 30 million. In an average season, Dortmunders basically are spending around about um, 30, 35 million in total. And they're still managing to be in the top 10 um, you know, um, in football. So, yeah, there's a completely massive contrast between a club like Man City or Chelsea, who we basically in Germany or in Dortmund, I think, would regard as somewhat checkbook football, yeah. whereas Dortmund they would regard as academy-based football. Yeah. No, well, I, I, I mean, this that's the thing. But you know, anybody who's in football at the elite level, they're in it because they want to win stuff. It doesn't matter whether you're a player or a manager. So Chelsea is always an attractive proposition to any manager, no matter how short their tenure might be because they they get a chance to win stuff which makes them look good and they get to spend lots of money on players they've always wanted and I'm sure Tuchel's no different um but the reality is is that you know that that doesn't really engender it's it's all basically you end up with a you know a constant state of flux but however Ben you know there are again two schools of thought here as I said you know I think I think in a sense Frank was played a bit. You know, it, there were very few people perhaps that they could have given the job to when we had a transfer ban, having lost Hazard. Plus the fact uh, that it kept the fans on side if if it if it ended up being a very difficult diff, uh, difficult season. But I think the first hint of trouble they've got rid of him. But I I don't think it's because they didn't like Frank. I think it's because actually Tuchel may have always been the plan. So th- there's a there's a thing nagging away at my head which is well. Chelsea know that for the last seven years, uh, it, it's it's been quite difficult for them. You know, they've bought a lot of awful players. I think the state of flux and continual changing in managers hasn't helped them. I think that they do genuinely want to try and bring some players through from the academy and match them to really good, uh, high quality players that they can afford to buy to complement that. So I, there's there's part of me that wonders whether you know maybe Tuchel has been the plan for a number of years, and there may be a desire to kind of see him through longer than the 18 months that we tend to get. Yeah, I mean, from a German, from a Germany, uh, German, uh, Germanophile kind of uh, perspective, um, I think a lot of people in Germany would be saying, this guy is punching way above his weight. It's, it's incredible what he's achieving. Um, and, um, you know, he's certainly, he's certainly a very, very, very impressive. Um, and I think that, a lot of people were very surprised in Germany to see him get fired at PSG, but I'm afraid to say that I think that it was personal differences from what I've heard from uh, speaking to Dardan and other, other guys in the uh, PSG fan club. 
uh, Medi and so on, the London fan club of PSG. I mean, I think it was more personal differences. Um, I mean, I'm not going to be unfair or prejudiced, but I think France, uh, French football is always going to be quite difficult to coach as a German because there is a, a, a long-term kind of, you know, sort of indifference between Germany and, and, and France in terms of the two cultures and the historical context and so on. So it was always going to be a little bit difficult. And I think that in England, um, people are, you know, they're, they're, of course, we've had our animosities with the Germans in the past, but I think in England, people are much more, um, fans are much more open to uh, German coaches and German players, and, and they're doing very well over here. Mm. And likewise, I mean, you look at Borussia Dortmund, um, Jaden Sancho and and uh, and other young uh, English players, Jude Bellingham and so on. There's increasing numbers of German players coming, uh, English players coming over to play in the Bundesliga and fitting in very nicely. Thank you. Mm. So, in respect of your, um, in respect of cultural differences, I don't perceive that necessarily as being an issue. I think it's more to do with the culture at Chelsea, which seems to be one of, as you say, win something this season or leave. Um, and I think that that's not really, um, with the exception of Bayern in Germany, where they expect to win the title every single year. And indeed, they're on course to win it for the ninth title in a row uh, this year, uh, ninth season in a row. Um, I think that, um, you know, um, you may you may just have a sticker here. You may just have someone who, uh, who uh, um, basically can come in and, and do the job for a couple of seasons and, and pr- perhaps actually put you back up in a you know, a title winning, winning space. But um, I think the Premier League is always going to be a very, very difficult league to win because you've got these guys with open checkbooks uh, at Liverpool and at Manchester City. And, and increasingly, I think now, um, you know, um, at, uh, at Man United again as well, um, the faith seems to be there. And uh, it's a very, very difficult, uh, very, very difficult league to win. But, um, I, you know, I, I, I could see that um, Tuchel could, could be a guy who could, uh, who could turn you around, much like Kloppo has turned um, Liverpool around, if that's if that's what you feel is needed. And and regarding um, Big Frank, um, I, I I knew him a little bit. He used to go to the same church um, in, in London, um, and um, he um, yeah he always came across as incredible, incredibly um, personable human being. And um, I can I can well understand. I mean, it would be a bit like Marco Royce going on to be the manager of Borussia Dortmund. It would uh, be an incredible meeting of minds. But yeah, you know, at the end of the day, um, uh, not everyone's going to walk in like Stevie G and uh, take over Steven Gerrard and take over basically a, a club like Rangers who've been down in the doldrums and then, you know, uh, turn them round. But Stevie G has been given time to turn it round at, at Rangers. He's been given a couple of seasons. And now kind of they've taken on Celtic in a, in a quite magnificent way. So, you know, you have to give these young, these, these, you have to give the managers time, you know, and I don't think Frank was given a suitable amount of time. And I'll be very frank with you. As a journalist, I was looking at what Frank did at Derby County and I thought, are you serious? You're going to move him straight into the Chelsea hot seat. He hasn't got a chance. You know, that was a very, very big ask for Frank Lampard to walk in at his, 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 his boyhood. I'm sorry, he was a West Ham. He was a, he was a, was a West Ham as a youngster, but his basic his glory days club and to take over as manager. And I, I don't really think Frank has been given a suitable chance. I think that the manager, the owners of Chelsea are just very fickle. And they've just basically, as you say, they've said, you know, well, we're not going to win a title this year. We can't afford to be out of the European places. We can't afford to... Um, not win a title with Chelsea FC and that's the end of that and mm. yeah it must be very sad for Chelsea fans 
but you've definitely got a winner with Tommy Tuchel. You just need to leave him leave a bit of time to uh, to rebuild rebuild things well, in his that, own mould. That's a very a very good way to end it. And 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 there's a duality about there. It, it, it's Tommy Tuchel time, in more ways than one, perhaps Ben. Yeah, I think so. I think you've got a great coach and you've got a, a, a German axis, if you like, building there with uh, Kai Havertz and Timo Werner. And those are literally the Rolls Royces of German football right now. So uh, whatever people are saying at Stamford Bridge, you've got, got literally the top German talent. With, also with Antonio Rudiger, who's turning into be a, an outstanding player. Um, and Christian Pulisic, you know, um, Dortmund were happy to let him go for 65 million after five years at the club. But um he, he's he is you know he's the golden boy of American football right now. So um... Ben, you've been fascinating. It's been a real joy talking to you about Tommy Tuchel, and uh, you know, unsurprisingly, it sounds that we're in for a, an interesting and hopefully successful time with him at the helm. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you've got a good guy there. Basically, he's a family man. He's got a couple of young kids. He's uh, He's got a very German mindset. He gets things done. He's straight to the point. Uh, and ultimately, I think what you need to know is he's a winner, but you've got to give him a bit of time. Like every German coach, they take time to analyse everything in detail. And he will be looking at all aspects of the academy and the game. And he will be looking to build up the young players and uh, trying to turn Chelsea round. But uh, I believe you're absolutely spot on in saying that Marina and uh, and Abramovich and so on will be looking at him as somebody who could really do something for that club. So, you know, as we have a common hate of Man United, um, <laughs> go for it. You know, I, I look forward to seeing a London team on top again. Well, me too. And I'll drink to that. Der einzige Markt für das, was jetzt und in der Zukunft wertvoll ist. Die neuesten Sneakers, Kleidung, Elektronik, Sammlerstücke und vieles mehr. Alles hundertprozentig geprüft und authentisch. Mit StockX hast du Zugang zu Millionen von Produkten, die ausverkauft oder schwer zu finden sind. Und alle für den Preis, den sie wirklich wert sind. Denn wir alle sollten das kriegen, was wir gerne haben möchten. StockX – Zugang zu aktuellen Trends. Finde, was du brauchst auf StockX.com.